Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Stephen Cole Pear Show. Um, today we'll be discussing Into the Wild by John Krakauer. I'm here with Cole Perry. What's up, guys? Um, this podcast is brought to you by the National Park Service, along with the novel Into the Wild by John Krakauer. Please learn from these mistakes and pack more than needed for your next expedition. All right. All right. <laughs> so after go, our... go right ahead. All right. After our advertisement here, we'll get right into it. And so the first thing that I found relatively cool about this novel was the amount of camaraderie that was brought up. And nowadays we don't really see that. And there can be, there's multiple reasons as to why, but throughout the the whole entire book, we see people coming together and, and helping like throughout the first, it's really prominent in the first few chapters as he's traveling around and trying to get to all these places before he heads to Alaska and how people are, uh, picking him up in his, in their cars and helping as like a hitchhiker. And some are even giving him jobs and work in order for him to get money. So I thought that that was really cool because in today's day and age, we really don't see that. And it, it, it's basically, I feel a bunch of, it's just about the time period. If it was, if this continued, I feel like it might be a good thing for our society because it can connect us and it will show us to other people's lives. But it's, I, I just found that really fascinating and really cool. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought that was really cool too. Um, I noticed that Kakauer kind of, um, he used that, like he described the way these people all helped, um, McCandless and then on page 68 when uh, McCandless left Carthage Krakauer describes in depth like the hole he left in the hearts of all those people and I get that just goes to show um, how McCandless functioned differently and wasn't really deterred by emotional attachment maybe you could say he even took some of this stuff for granted but all that um, camaraderie like you said is very interesting yeah, and that that's a good point because I know, like, like you said, he could have taken it for granted as well. And there were multiple times where I found it really odd that, like, he would even write to some of these people or, like, write notes to them, which was, I don't think I really expected it. like a hitchhiker to them. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's just um, how he functions and... It's hard for us to comprehend it, but it worked for him for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to discuss a quote. It's pretty early on page 44 after Krakauer introduces um, McCandless, like his inspirations. So he wrote, McCandless conven- conveniently overlooked the fact that London himself had spent just a single winter in the North and that he died by his own hand on his California estate at the age of 40. A f- tattooist junk obese and pathetic and i thought that was um very interesting because the contrast between um mccandless idealized version of these people his inspirations um just like clashed with the, the reality and how it worked out for them and it kind of it's kind of the first time that kakao breaks character and 
puts his own opinions into um into this novel. And I think it goes to show how he, he um he can relate to McCandless and he's like upset about how he perceived these people that he may have fallen victim to as well. Yeah, and I I feel like that's I mean, that's that's a really hard hitting like just sentence there especially like describing the like saying obese and pathetic and maintaining a sedentary existence i mean it's like those aren't words that you just throw around and it's i don't know i feel like it it really does break his his character because throughout the rest like throughout the entire book he cockenauer or doesn't really give his side of what he feels like that mm-hmm. and um yeah and so this is like a part where yeah so i feel like this is kind of going back into like i don't know if you could really compare it to like london how he is like making survival seem easier maybe Mm-hmm. than it actually is like bear grills would be like something that we could compare it to because like everybody's like oh bear grills is like this ex- this really good survivalist and yeah. he it kind of could be compared to that i think yeah i think so it's kind of like an idealized um like like televised almost dr- dramatized version of surviving the wild that um mccandless specifically fell victim to i don't think he was necessarily prepared as he should have been and he did last long enough, but he I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into in the end. Yeah, there were some, some mistakes that he, he probably should have uh, made. And to build off that, I have some, like, another theme that I found was, like, on page 20, it starts at page 29, where it really, um, like, where his mistakes of being underprepared really show and it, it starts at the top of 29. Instead of feeling distraught over this turn of events, moreover, Candelis was exhilarated. He saw the flash flood as an opportunity to shed unnecessary baggage. He concealed his car as best as he could beneath a brown tarp, stripped it of its Virginia plates, and hid them. He buried his Winchester deer hunting rifle and a few other possessions that might they, that he might one day want to recover. Um, I found this to be like, this is definitely one of his biggest mistakes that he makes trying to make it to Alaska and survive for as long as he wants, because some of these things he's definitely like his Winchester hunting rifle. That's something that would be very beneficial to him as he gets there. Because from what we know, when they found his body, he only had the, the 22 rifle, which wasn't couldn't use any, use it for anything. So mm-hmm. it really shows his um like his survival skills are novice and he he made some very big mistakes that ended up costing him his life later down the road yeah i think that's um a, a big part of Kakar's commentary on just mccandless as a person in general i think like he discussed a lot about how mccandless would just go with the flow and do uh, what he wanted to and not what he should necessarily do and i think this is just the per- first example of that like uh life got him down and he decided to keep going even though he should have stopped and gotten help 
um, but that really sets the pace for the rest of the novel. Yeah, it does because, and then he continues the same really bad mistakes that <laughs> like that don't turn out very well, and it's it's sad, but you know, if he had, I feel like if he would have just listened to some of the 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 people that he was able to talk to, like in the beginning, whenever he was first heading to the stampede trail and it talks about um, him being dropped off uh, by, and all that, like trying to just listen to those people. And especially whenever he's going to the trail, because those people who he's riding with have like excellence of that area because they live there. And they're able to know what you need and don't need. But sometimes yeah. we let our egos, I feel, get in our way and think that we're bigger than what we actually are. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I agree with that. Um, I think Krakauer, I'm not sure if you would exactly consider all of these things that um, we're discussing here to be mistakes made by McCandless. Um I'm not really certain what or how Krakauer feels personally about McCandless, but it could be something like he sees himself in McCandless or um, he admires him maybe for like what he was able to do. On page 106, he uses some very interesting diction to describe him. And I'll read that quote now. He says, um, it is impossible to know what murky converge- convergence of chromosomal matter, parent-child dynamics, and alignment of the cosmos was responsible but Christopher Johnson McCandless came into this world with unusual gifts and a will not easily deflected from its trajectory. Now this could, I, I read it as praise and uh, just crack our, just marveling at this specimen that is McCandless and how he was <laughs> able to do all of this on his own. But it also goes to show um, just how Krakauer uh, felt about McCandless or perceived him in general yeah i feel like that that quote could really go either way like you were saying um at one point he's he's acknowledging and like praising his uh unusual gift of unusual gifts and not easily deflected uh from its trajectory i mean most people see that as being a really needed trait because you don't want people to just easily sway your your opinions, and that McCandless definitely showed that throughout the whole entire book. Yeah, um, another if you don't mind, um, another thing I think that shows how Krakauer might relate with McCandless is um, on page one thirty four. Hold on, let me flip to it. Um, Krakauer, he when he was describing his own adventures in the mountains and mountaineering and climbing. He writes, um, climbing mattered. The, f- the fanger bathed the world in a halogen glow that caused everything. The sweep of, wait, hold on. I have to find it in the book. I misspelled some words. Um, whatever. Um, the, the sweep of the rock, the orange and yellow lichens, the texture of the clouds to stand out in brilliant relief. Life thrummed at a higher pitch. The world was made real. Um, that was page 134. I thought this combination of words was very interesting. And it it's used by Krakauer to just describe this feeling that he got from climbing and maybe 
helped the reader understand what motivated McCandless and him and similar people. And um, personally, I thought this was a very interesting combination of words because it described a feeling that I didn't think could be described really. But um, I think it did a lot and was very effective. Yeah, and especially like at the beginning of the paragraph, it says, I devoted most of my waking hours to fantasizing about um, then undertaking accents of remote mountains in Alaska and Canada. I mean, that really shows how uh, Kalkenauer had a, a, a love for the outdoors, such as McCandless, and how, I guess, it shows that uh, Kalkenauer can relate to, to McCandless a little more. Yeah. All right. And then, um, you know, I've really felt that this, the way that the book was laid out, um, was similar to the the novel There There by Tommy Orange, because it, in in both novels, it talks about uh people, multiple different people, and kind of a a um a way to get to like the climax of the story at. And it, um, I don't know, it kind of, when, as I was reading Into the Wild, I was thinking about the, the book there, there, and how it really, it was laid out the same. And I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if, um, if Orange, uh, copied, like, some of the styles that Kockenauer has, or, or how, how they were so similar, but I just thought, thought that that was a, a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wonder um, if any of Kakar's other works reflect this, or Tommy Orange's other works have the same yeah. layout. Yeah, that'd be um, that'd be cool because I know uh, Kakenauer has a lot, or Krakenauer, sorry, has yeah. a lot more um, a lot more books centered around like mountaineering and all that, such as Into Thin Air, and um, I feel like those would be really like if you wild i feel like those would be awesome awesome reads and worth it yeah yeah um just uh last serious thing for me um there's another like major sub theme i think that was tackled in this book that didn't really get as much spotlight as um mechanical's main story and um the, the effect he had on other people um i think his relationship with his parents was um was rather significant and should get some more attention. So on page 122, Krakauer writes, children can be harsh judges when it comes to their parents, disinclined to grant clemency. And this was especially true in Chris's case. More even than most teens, he tended to see things in black and white. He measures himself and those around him by an impossibly rigorous moral code. And I think this is like a, a problem in our society and um, something that I have had experience with and I'm sure other people have but holding your parents to a higher moral code than you probably should and not realizing that they're people too and they make mistakes. And I thought that was just very interesting that that was tackled constantly through this um, novel. Yeah, and that, I, I agree with you. I feel like there is, like like you were saying, there's some people do hold their parents to a higher moral code and you know they are still humans. They still do make mistakes, but... I know I, I find myself do that sometimes and it's sometimes as the person doing that, it's hard to see, but when you take it, you can really see that. Yeah. You got anything else? 
No, I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much all I have. Um, I'd like to share one more thing that's not very serious related to the book. But on page 161, Krakow writes, uh, while um, McCandless was um, uh, hitchhiking up in um, Alaska in Fairbanks, Krakow wrote, it was a gray Ford pickup with a bumper sticker on the back that declared, I fish, therefore I am. Petersburg, Alaska. <laughs> And um, I just couldn't help but be reminded of um, our favorite listener, Mr. Garrigan. So <laughs> that can be very, very connected to our favorite listener, Mr. Garrigan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would really recommend this book to other people, especially if you do like um, the outdoors. I found it a pretty easy read, such as, like, you didn't get too, too bored of it, such as other books you might read, but. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting in the way it was written. Uh, yeah. Kept, kept the attention well. Uh, so that's that's all from me. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't have much much else to say. I think we covered a, a good bit of information that we wanted to, so. All right, sounds good. This has been the Stephen Colter Show. And uh, see you Monday, Garrigan. Yep, see ya.